Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style, but they stay frostbitten. From the broadcast to the podcast, it is your man DM Cool. And welcome to another edition of Cool Radio. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. Pop up at our blind spot, and on my Uwego. We invading airwaves. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Yes, yes, y'all. Tell a friend to tell a friend because we are back. It is your man, DM Cool, and this is another edition of Cool Radio, and the cool is in full effect. Ladies and gents, we have a lot, a lot to get to. And I feel like I say that each and every week. But this time, like this is like one of the episodes that I've been looking forward to because it is jam packed with a lot of content that I've been meaning to get to for as long as last week, because I did drop a pod last week. But that was recorded from the week before, to be honest, and I was just able to get it up in time. But with all that's happened within the last week and a half, now is more than a perfect time to discuss these things. So you're probably asking yourselves, well, DM, what are you going to be talking about today? Listen, I got y'all covered, okay? Your boy DM Cool got you covered. First off, in the mic check segment of the day, or the week rather, I'm about to go in on this whole situation surrounding potential Olympian Shakari Richardson and how black America is involved in that. So I will be waxing poetic on that for the mic check segment of the day of the week. I keep saying of the day. I got I got to change that up. Whatever. It technically technically is the day, but it's whatever. That's neither here nor there. Uh, beyond that, when we go to trip talk. We got to talk about baby performing at Def Jam or at Summer Jam, rather. But what happened to cancel culture? <laughs> Listen, we're going to get into that. All right, We're going to get into that. Kendrick Lamar has announced his final project with TDE. Keyword, final project with TDE. We're going to pontificate on that a bit further. And then, of course, Drake versus Kanye West has gone up another notch. I will explain how. And a whole bunch of things in between. But before we get to all of that, you already know how I do to get the show started. And in case if you don't, from time to time, I like to get some stuff off of my chest. So on that note, I think it is time for us to let that ish breathe. Let this bitch breathe. So OnlyFans has made or caused rather quite the ruckus this past week when it announced to everybody in between from its fans to its shareholders that sexually explicit content will no longer be permitted on its platform. So when that news came out, a lot of people were freaking out. They were losing their minds and their collective shits. A lot of girls that we knew from around the way who made somewhat of a living on OnlyFans now were basically having a midlife crisis or a conniption fit of sorts, figuring out what the hell to do with their lives now. Okay, so that was the interesting thing about OnlyFans. It caused a huge uproar. And it's funny because I was going to talk about it uh, from just that context as far as what that meant when it said it was going to ban sexually explicit content, because the whole thing was that while sexually explicit content would be banned, the flip side to that is that you can still post nudity on there. So if you are one of these users, and mind you, I'm not shaming at all. Like, if you want to be on OnlyFans, be on OnlyFans. But if you are one of these uh, users or content creators who does post sexually explicit content on there, at the very least, to supplement whatever losses may have been uh, may have incurred with the ban, you can still at least post nudes, as long as there's no 
insertion. There's no self-gratification or anything to, you know, triple X, so to speak. If you had done that, you probably still would have been somewhat fine. And then it just kind of led me to, you know, ask myself, well, let's say OnlyFans is no longer going to be an avenue for this type of content. I mean, they're not the only game in town for posting sexually explicit content. Like, there are plenty of websites out there that will do the job just fine. It just, hap- it just so happens to be that OnlyFans is the hottest ticket in the game right now because it includes pornography, pornography, but other things. Now, I don't know what Patreon's community guidelines are like, but I am going to go on a limb and doubt that they are fine with sexually explicit content being posted on, on their platform. But if that's the case... There's Pornhub. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's Pornhub. Like, Pornhub is probably one of the largest, if not the largest, pornographic platform for amateur users. So, with that in mind, I'm not sure what the guidelines are as far as posting and signing up for an account or what have you. But with those guidelines put in place, why not just, you know, take your talents to Pornhub? And hey, it's Canadian. Even better. <laughs> but, um,. That was what I was originally going to say before the breaking news came out earlier this week. So maybe like Wednesday at the very least. Uh, As of this recording, it's Saturday, August 28th. Um, But the breaking news was that OnlyFans was going to pull back on their ban uh, when it comes to sexually explicit content. So in other words, there is no more ban. You can still uh, post up porn and all that stuff on OnlyFans. So everyone was like, oh, my God. Oh, you gave me a heart attack. Don't ever scare me like that again. So, <laughs> so users and, and, and donators alike, okay, or simps alike, as they like to say. So here's my thing with, with this whole situation. With regards to OnlyFans, as far as the people um, who were looking to put the ban in place in the first place, why ruin a good thing when it's giving you so much money? I think some report came out that OnlyFans as a platform has generated over $1.8 billion over the last year. And surprise, surprise, the majority of that revenue came from its porn division, essentially. I don't know if they have a division or any official classifications, but when it comes to their sexually explicit content... That's where they were getting most of their money. So, like, why ruin a good thing? Why stop what's working for you? This is like telling Stephen Curry to stop shooting threes. This is like telling McDonald's to stop making the Big Mac. I can go on and on with the analogies, but I think you guys know where I'm getting at. Why ruin a good thing? And I understand the standpoint that OnlyFans was was not originally intended as a pornographic platform, it was meant for creators to share their ideas with the rest of the world. So if you are a painter and you want to share how you get your canvas started out um, or your painting started out with the canvas and et cetera, et cetera, then that's what you do. Or if you want to show yourself playing a guitar or a violin, I get it. Or if you want to show people your, your cosplay designs and all that stuff, cool. Like There was a little bit of everything for everyone, but it was meant for a creator's platform. And if you wanted to see these you know, works of art or whatever the case may be, then you would donate however much you can. I don't know if it's like an open donation or if there's a set list of fees, or not fees, but like tiers of donations that you give out and what have you. And whether it's monthly or biweekly, I, I don't know, I don't necessarily know how it works. But nonetheless, it was there at their disposal. And maybe they were trying to get back to that spot and not be like, oh, we're not a porn platform. We don't be known as that. It's almost like when Cristal basically told rappers and hip hop in general to not have their brands um, in, in their rap videos anymore, even though rappers basically skyrocketed the profits off of Cristal. But then when they said all that shit, it's like, oh, well, OK, well, F you then. We're going to have our own stuff, our own stuff, which is what rappers should have had anyway, because it's not like it's not like Crystal or any of these people were paying them. But that's neither here nor there. Um, so with regards to 
to OnlyFans. Again, why stop the gravy train? Like, this is what's giving you your payola at this point. And someone in that marketing room or in, on their money team must have realized that or they were finally able to get that message to their superiors and say, listen, if you take this out now, we will lose a shit ton of money. We will go bankrupt. So please, please reconsider. And clearly enough, they reconsidered. So, you know, to all the all the users of of OnlyFans, whether you're there as an actual user or someone who posts content over there or somebody who donates, hey, you got your platform back. Uh, but to the creator specifically, you know, let this be somewhat of a lesson and knowing that you can't always put all your eggs into one basket. And I'm talking about platforms as far as where you want to post your content. Like if this is the route you want to go, make sure there are other platforms out there that will allow you to build revenue off of what you're going to post if that's the route that you so choose and i would say for the users and i would be curious to know but what is it that attracts you to OnlyFans? because this is a platform where none of the content is free you have to pay for it like i don't again i don't know what the tiers of pricing are but it's content that you have to pay for. So why not just go to like a porn hub or whatever, you know, porn website there is and just watch content for free. I don't know. Is it the fact that you have amateurs on OnlyFans who are probably from like the around the way, or they just look real and not fake and contrived. And like, you feel like you're having more of an intimate erotic experience. If that's the case, I can understand that. But on the flip side, a lot of these porn websites have their own quote unquote amateur sections as well. So again, is it because it's the flavor of the month with regards to the OnlyFans platform? I would be curious to know. Like I'm curious to know because I don't know. If something's free, you take it, especially if like the quality is just as good as the paid content. Otherwise, unless if you got money to burn like that, why pay for something that you can get for free when the quality is just as good? It just lets the more advanced platform to know that hey you gotta step it up if somebody's giving the same uh level of content as you are in terms of quality and it's for free like you gotta step it up but anyways those are my thoughts on the matter um good for all the users and for the people who subscribe to it Uh, but what do y'all think about OnlyFans? Were, were they right to even entertain a ban in the first place uh, feel free to let me know. Hit hit me up on uh, my socials. You guys already know what it is. Yes, sir. Okay. It's time for the mic check segment. Ladies and gents, let's talk about Shakari Richardson real quick. Actually, who am I kidding? This is not going to be quick at all. It is not going to be quick. There's going to be a lot to break down when it comes to Miss Richardson. And this whole fiasco that she's kind of gotten herself into. But a part of the blame can also be geared towards a certain aspect of black culture within America. So before you guys start freaking out, let me paint the picture for you. Give you all context with full clarity so that you know what I'm talking about and that you can formulate an opinion for yourselves after it is all said and done. So let's take it back to, to the main thing that happened. So Shikari came in last place at a 100-meter women's track event. I can't remember the exact name of it, but she came in last place in that event. Now, this was after the Olympics, and I think this event was maybe almost two weeks ago by this point. And so a lot of people were, were shocked because not too many people – have seen this woman race before, but they know the name because of all the controversy that was surrounding her name with regards to her being uh, suspended by the Olympics because she broke the rules when it came to smoking marijuana. And I spoke about this on a previous episode where even though she did break the rules and I totally understand that, which she does as well, the fact that the IOC still has these antiquated rules in place needs to, needs to change, right? Can't do anything about it now, obviously, but in the future, they need to change. So there's that. And I'll probably, you know, scoot around back to that point later on. Uh, but nonetheless, I digress. Uh, 
So she came in last. And so she starts getting quite a bit of backlash here and there and starts to become a polarizing figure. And it's not necessarily because of, because of the fact that she lost the race. Mind you, a lot of people were surprised because they heard her name throughout the news and she made an appearance at the ESPYs and there's this big social media campaign by black, most of black Twitter, I should say, and a lot of celebrities were coming out to support her, you know, because weed and everything like that, which is, I guess, is fine. As far as, like, the support is fine and the weed, you know, weed itself will, will always be a polarizing uh, subject of debate until the next thing replaces it that's just the reality of the situation but nonetheless everyone thought that wow like this girl i thought this girl was like really fast i thought she was standing a chance stand a chance against everyone else including the jamaicans but what a lot of people don't realize is that her qualifying record or qualifying time i guess you could call it was nowhere near that of any of the top racers from other countries, including Jamaica, who has who always has the fastest runners, whether it's on the men's side or the women's side. Anytime there's a Jamaican out there racing, they're either straight from yard or they are a descendant of yard. So whether you have, you know, Usain Bolt, uh, whether you have Shelly Ann Frazier, Donovan Bailey, Canadian, but by way of Jama- Jamaica, and then most recently Anderson uh, or sorry Andre DeGrasse another Jamaican Canadian, they all got Jamaican in the blood somewhere down the, down the pipeline, right? They, they're just a factory for it. So anyways, she lost the race and no one's, no one is chuckling at her because she lost the race. Like it happens. You're an athlete. Sometimes you lose a race. Sometimes you lose at whatever sport you're in. It happens. I don't think anyone would ever, okay, I can't say anyone, but very few people would laugh at somebody, somebody because they lost. And the ones who do, they don't know sports, right? They just don't. So she lost the race, no sweat. It's what happened after the race that people started to turn their heads, so to speak. And she made a bit of a heel turn, if you will. So at the end of the race, she was being interviewed by a reporter from NBC Sports. And Shakari was very defiant in her loss, talking about how she she sees everybody online talking all that shit. She's going to come back harder and stronger. Y'all ain't going to forget about me. Da, 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 da. I saw y'all, y'all talking that shit. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, my first reaction like was like, what the hell are you doing? Why are you talking trash when you just lost a race? The most mature thing to do at that point is to say, you know, you didn't get the result that you're looking for. Um, you tried your best. You've had a lot of trials and tribulations come your way over the last couple of months. Um, but, you know, the next time I'm in this race, I'm going to make sure I do better. I'm going to be mentally and physically prepared. Like, it all sounds very arbitrary and very cliche. But that is what you should do in those moments as opposed to saying, yeah, yeah, I heard all them bitches talking shit. Like, no, no, Shikari, no. Because not only does it make you look like a sore loser, but let's be honest, because of the fact that you're black and where you grew up at and the vernacular that you're using, you are now making yourself look like a stereotype. And no one is out here saying that she is that stereotype, but the way that you're presenting yourself, there's always going to be a cloud hovering over you, especially as a black individual, because everyone looks at black people as a monolithic figure. So whatever they watch, you know, um, Black people through the lens of entertainment, for example, they hear the slang that's that's been talking. They see the imagery, whether it's the tattoos or eccentric hairstyles or or anything that is just different to the mainstream cultural norm. They're going to peg that as all black people being of that same cloth or ilk. And when you are in a sport like track. You're not only representing your city or your state or, or, or your region or wherever you're from. You're representing your country. Like track is one of those sports where it is witnessed with an international lens. It's not, like, it's not necessarily like a basketball, for example, where while it is a global sport, when we think of basketball, we think of the NBA first. And when we think of the NBA, we think of a bunch of 
teams that are located throughout cities and states within America, with the exception of the Toronto Raptors, of course, because they're here in Canada. But nonetheless, nobody looks at LeBron's level of play with the Los Angeles Lakers and saying how he's embarrassing America. No. No one says that. But when you are representing yourself in that fashion and your uniform says USA, that's when people are going to look at you and then they're going to look at the way you're talking and they're going to see how you're talking and what you're saying as well and attribute that to every single person who looks like you. So it's important for Shakari Richardson to know that and it's just as important for the people who manage her to recognize that. Now, I don't know who's in her camp, but whomever is in her camp needs to be constructive with her in that regard because that was not a good look. Like, forget about the way she was talking and how she was saying things coming across as, like, the stereotypical black eye witness because that's what it came across as. But let's forget about that for a second. The fact that you're talking trash during a loss. You didn't even win. If you win, you can talk as much shit as you want. But know at that moment that you now have a target on your back and you are the heel that everybody wants to make a name off of because of the fact that you're talking trash. Whether it's Muhammad Ali, whether it's uh, Floyd Mayweather, we've seen this. But you have to win in order to earn the right to talk trash. Otherwise, you look like a three-headed jackass. Now, some people will say, oh, well, maybe, you know, it's because of her age. She's young. She's... She, she's, you know, she'll get it eventually. And that's a possibility. It could be age. But then if we're going to use the age argument, then let's think about athletes like Venus and Serena Williams. They've been in the spotlight ever since 2000, 2001, roughly, when they used to rock the beads in their braids and stuff like that. We remember that. We never heard them talk all that trash at age 21. During a loss. When Simone Biles. Was out here competing. Somebody who is. Maybe at this point the most decorated Olympian of all time. I'd have to do my research on that. But I know she's up there like at least top five when it comes to medal count. We never saw her talk all that trash. Naomi Osaka. Quite possibly the hottest name in women's tennis right now. Maybe in tennis in general. And while she has had her bumps with the with the media, we've never heard her talk as reckless as what Shikari did. And keep in mind, Osaka wins. Biles wins. Venus and Serena Williams, they win as well. And through all their wins... We've never heard them talk reckless. So how does it make sense for all those women at age 21 back in, in, in the past for them to have won all their matches and, and, and received the awards and accolades that they've, that they've uh, garnered throughout their careers up until this point? And not one time have you heard them talk trash, yet we have someone who got suspended from Olympic competition Coming into a competition, ill-prepared, coming in ninth place, and talk trash. That makes no sense whatsoever. No sense. And now here's where the divide comes into play. So you have a divide within, you know, black America with people claiming that everyone is attacking her because she's a dark-skinned black woman. No, that is not the case at all. You know why that's not the case? Because if that were the case, every single woman in that race would be attacked. You know why? Because every woman in that race was black. They're all black. And again, we're going on the narrative where, oh, it's an attack on on black women. Black women are being attacked. No, they're not. In fact, the woman who won the race was five-tenths of a second away of breaking the all-time record that was set by Flojo. Do you know who that woman's name was? 
a lot of people, and that's a crazy thing. We're talking about, and hey, I guess I'm guilty of this as well, ironically enough, but more people are talking about the post-match or post-race antics of Shakari Richardson after losing and coming in ninth place rather than celebrating the victorious and triumphant win of the Jamaican sprinter known as Elaine Thompson Hera, who came oh so close of breaking the original world record. Now, there are people talking about it nonetheless, but I don't see how this is an attack on black women with regards to Shakari Richardson when we are celebrating the fact that this woman from Jamaica damn near made history. And not only did she almost make history, but the women who came in second and third place were from Jamaica as well. A country filled with majority black people. And they swept that entire race as they did in the Olympics a few weeks back. And they were applauded for their efforts back then and up until now. So I don't see how this is an attack on black women. No, this is a critique on Shakari Richardson. And, and there are black people out there who need to know the difference between an attack and a critique. And the people who, who, who cannot discern between the two clearly have never been critiqued, uh, been critiqued or they have never, never received constructive criticism well. Because a lot of people will misinterpret constructive tr- criticism as hate. And it's not hate. There's no hatred going towards Shakari Richardson. But you want to know what is, you know, low-key hatred? The fact that Shakari Richardson is liking all the comments that are attacking the Jamaican women and just Jamaica as a whole. And the irony is the fact that we're out here talking about an attack on a black woman, yet there are other people out there who are black who are attacking black women of Jamaica. So you can't like you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't say that this person is being attacked because of the comments that he said or because there are dark-skinned black women, but then proceed to attack dark-skinned black women who actually won the damn race. But you know where this you know where this falls in line and falls in line with American bias. This is American bias at its finest. That's the issue here. Because when it comes to black American culture, and I'm not, and before I continue on with this point, let me just point out the fact that there are plenty of black Americans that I've that I have been honored enough to befriend. And just in general, knowing the fact that there are black Americans out there who have a wider understanding of black culture from a diasporic standpoint. So in other words, they know that black culture in America isn't the end-all, be-all, and that they are very aware that there are plenty of diasporas within black culture across the world, whether it's in Toronto, whether it's in London, whether it's in Paris, wherever. They are aware of that, and they understand that, and they acknowledge that. So with that said, my following comments is not about them. They already know who they are. They are some real ones for real, for real. My comments are going towards the black Americans who refuse to recognize the fact that black culture exists beyond its parameters. And the reason why they refuse to acknowledge that is because of just general American culture altogether. America lives in a bubble. It has always lived in a bubble. America thinks that it's the greatest thing in the world and that nothing else outside its bubble matters. And when it comes to certain people within black America and black American culture, they just don't care about what's happening in black cultures around the world unless unless if it pertains to them. So when police were beating up on citizens in Nigeria, America, some members of black America didn't care. When a school was being shot up in Kenya a few years back, some members of black America didn't care. But then when there's a Black Lives Matter rally happening in America in honor of Breonna Taylor or George Floyd or whomever, the entire black diaspora of the globe comes together in solidarity with America. But unfortunately, some members of black America fail to do the same thing. And this relays back to what's happening with the harassment of these Jamaican women. 
the fact that some members of black America are attacking these people verbally and online or what have you. But yet, if this is Shakari Richardson, then you would call it an attack on black women. But yet you're doing it to the Jamaicans. So why is it okay? Or why do you give yourselves a pass to do it to the Jamaican women? But you are basically having your guard up and calling for cancel culture and everything in between when it comes to Shakari Richardson. American bias is the answer, ladies and gentlemen. And I did mention that she's liking these comments as well with regards to Shikari, which is completely irresponsible because now you're making yourself look like an asshole. No one's saying that you're an asshole, but you are making yourself look like one by condoning the comments that your supporters are making. And the problem with her quote unquote supporters is the fact that they are now putting the battery in her back to make her act ignorant and uncouth and and all these things in between. These people are kind of acting like the, the playground kids back in high school where there's a fight happening or a fight is about to brew and they're all up in the person's ear talking about, oh, you're going to take that? You're going to take that? Oh, they were talking trash about your mama. You're going to let him ride like that? Nah, son, you got to ride on him. Da-da-da-da-da. That's literally what they're doing, Shakari Richardson, and she's acting like this. And it even got to the point where she made subliminal tweets towards an accomplished Olympian by the name of Allison Felix, who is a seven-time gold medalist. This woman went out of her way, out of her way, to show support for Shakari Richardson and to basically try to guide her in the right direction. She tried to be her, I guess, you know, big sister or, um, you know, support system or whatever the case may be. Just out of good faith, from one Olympian to another potential one in the future. What does this girl do? She puts out a subliminal tweet, basically dismissing whatever critiques that she gave of Shikari. This woman doesn't even know you. And she's trying to help you. And you dismiss it. Not only that, but she also did the exact same thing towards one of her potential Olympic teammates in Gabby Thompson. Gabby Thompson was one of the Olympians who came out and said, hey, guys, don't boycott the Olympics. There are plenty of black athletes who have worked their entire lives up until this point to get to the Olympics. Please do not boycott it. What was wrong with that statement? Nothing at all. But what does Shikari do in that postgame interview where she's, you know, doing all that trash talking? She basically put a subliminal message out towards against Gabby when she said that. On top of that, she also made a tweet, a a subliminal tweet, again, pointing towards Gabby because it was blatantly obvious that she was referring to her. So unless she has a burner account and somebody is operating with it, what the hell is Shikari doing? Now you're battling your own teammates. But here's the thing. That's another black woman. That's another black woman. And we're talking about, you know, humility and, and, and recognizing other black diasporas outside of black America. This Gabby Thompson individual is of Jamaican descent as well. And she gave big praise to all the Jamaican sprinters and the, the country in general. But that wasn't good enough for some black Americans, of course. The funny thing about this entire situation is that despite her not really accomplishing anything. And I'm not trying to sound like a dick when I say that, but she hasn't really accomplished anything outside of getting the qualifying time. I'm just talking about tangible stuff like medals and, and, and place, placements within the races and what have you. Despite not accomplishing anything, because of all the controversy surrounding her name and where we are right now socially with the social climate, Nike gave her a contract. Without even really accomplishing anything major. They basically gave her a contract just so they can capitalize off of the moment. To show that they're woke and that they want to stand behind other woke athletes as well. And so I don't know if the clout is starting to rush through her head. But last I checked, when you got a a contract or an endorsement from a major brand like a Nike or anything like that. Like, I'm talking about, like, a major, major endorsement where you are front, face, and center of marketing and promotion. 
you had to break records or be like a dominant force within your sport to get that kind of promotional deal. You had to be the youngest MVP in NBA history and Derrick Rose to get that kind of promotion. Mind you, that's Adidas, but I'm just talking about any sports brand. You had to jump from the free throw line like Michael Jordan in order to get your own brand within a brand. You had to be Tiger Woods level to get the kind of you know sponsorship deals that he got. The only thing Shakari Richardson has done is having a qualifying time that was faster than anyone else's within her heat. But even then, that qualifying time was nowhere near the qualifying time of the Jamaicans. And so all that she has now is a bunch of social media clout. I fear that if this continues to persist, that she's going to be the Azealia Banks of sports. Because it's kind of looking like that right now. Now, there's still time to veer her away from that direction. But it's not looking good for her right now. Now, when her name first made the headlines with, with regards to the, the, the smoking or the uh, marijuana ban or the marijuana suspension and what have you, I commended her for owning up to it. She said, guys, listen, I messed up. My mom died. I need something to take off the, the, the pressure. I own this. Class personified. That's all you got to do. But then this race comes up. And then whatever feelings that she was going through during the time that she was sitting at home and watching everybody else compete up until now. I'm sure she had tons of people, whether it's social media, whether it's her her inner circle or people in her family, whatever the case may be, just chirping in her ear, giving her all these bullshit TED Talks. And now she's out here talking shit when she hasn't done anything. I, I, I partially blame this on her, but I also partially blame this on, you know, the stereotypical aspects of some members of black America. Like, like that's what it comes down to. I get it. She's from the hood. She looks like you. Therefore, she represents you. But just know this. This is sports. When you don't perform to the level that you're expected to, you will be criticized. This has happened to all the great athletes. Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Serena Williams, um, Lisa Leslie, you name it. Like a, a plethora of athletes, both in team sports and solo sports. This will happen if you don't perform up to par. And I feel like a lot of the people who are commenting on this don't know a damn thing about sports. And those are the worst people who can comment on sports because at the end of the day, they know next to nothing and they will attribute a certain figure within sports to a social issue to what's happening, especially within this climate. And therefore will claim that it's a social issue and will make it just about that as opposed to what is actually happening on the pitch or on the field or on the court. And yet for whatever reason, Those are the people who have the loudest voices in the room. And that is a problem, a huge problem. What I'll say about this whole situation is that as a whole, Shakari Richardson never should have raced in this event in the first place for a multitude of reasons. First and foremost, physical condition. She was not in the physical condition to compete in this race at all. She got suspended from play and therefore was out on the shelf for almost two months. Or basically two months or this is two months. I think it was two months, almost two months on the shelf for almost two months and therefore had no type of. uh, Strength training or conditioning training or endurance training at all whatsoever. It was like. When the NBA players went into the bubble for the first time and resumed NBA play after the league being suspended for about three months because of COVID. You saw how some of those guys were rusty and they just weren't performing up to par. That's basically what Shikari went through and therefore shouldn't have competed. Secondly, she shouldn't have competed because she was going through a lot of mental anguish. Her mom passed away. And she probably wasn't ready to perform. Now, there are some people who will perform despite those conditions and 
more power to them. But if she knew that she wasn't in the correct mental space to to perform in front of people like that, then no one would have crucified her had she pulled out. Osaka pulled out of competitions because of mental health. Simone Biles pulled out of most of her competitions because of mental health issues. No one would have crucified her for it. If anything, the support bandwagon would still be strong. I, I think it still is strong right now, but it's just very polarizing at this point. But we would have had even more sympathy for her had she decided to pull out of that race. Now, she pulled out of the 200-meter competition, and I think that was a very smart decision on her part to do because of, the, of everything that, ha- that has happened right now that has transpired. But overall, when it comes down to it, Shikari needs to learn, and probably sooner rather than later, that in the world of sports, if you are going to be criticized by others, sometimes it's not because about your race or because of the way you dress or the way you talk. Those things are very, they're very arbitrary. Those things come second, third, and fourth, and they don't even matter in the grand scheme of things. People will just say that for jokes, for shits and giggles, whether it's funny or not, that's just the reality of the situation. It is what it is. I'm not saying it's right, obviously, but that's just, that, that comes with it, unfortunately. What you can't control is how you perform on the pitch. That is what you can control. And if you want to be a great, if you want to be a legend, and if, hey, if you want to talk your trash as well, if that's what you want to do, then you have to make sure that you perform better than anyone else. You work harder than anyone else. You train harder than everyone else. Because the moment someone catches you slipping, the jokes are going to funnel in. And no matter what protests, you know, some of your supporters may want to make about, you know, this is racism, this is, you're, you're, you're being racist towards a, a black, dark-skinned woman. Almost none of that is going to matter if you still end up coming in last place and you're still talking trash. At that point, it is up to your management team to pull you aside and hey, you got and tell her, hey, you got to cut that shit out. It's not helping you. It's not helping your brand. And what I would say to that certain segment of black America is stop putting that battery in her back because you're leading her to her own self-destruction. It's to the point where she's going to look like a world star video. And she's basically going to be living out the parody of that for the rest of her career. If you continue to feed her all this nonsense and all this shit that you're talking about, the Jamaicans and what have you. And yet you're complaining out here because people are saying they're disrespecting a black woman. You're disrespecting other black women too. So what, so what good are you doing on your end of that's the case? So let me cap off this, this segment by saying that Shikari has a lot of growing up to do both, you know, in life and just in, prof- in, in her prof- professional career as well. She has a lot of growing up to do. She needs to mature and she needs to learn humility. Let's be honest. She has to learn humi- humility. You cannot be talking trash towards anyone when you're losing and not only losing, but coming in last place. You have lost all right to talk any kind of trash if that is the end result. If you want to talk trash, come in first place. Easy. Not second, not third. First. If you want to talk trash, come in first. And I get it. She's probably going through a lot of mental anguish right now. I'm not going to take that out of the equation. But if that's the case, then you got to be you got to not only be mature enough from an emotional standpoint, but you got to have other people who are mature enough in that in that standpoint as well, who are within your inner circle, who will guide you in the right direction. Nas had the most amazing, you know, quotes, not the most amazing quote, but one of those poignant things he's ever said. It's very simple, very simple, but it's direct and straight to the point and it holds true to this day. The man said. Watch them niggas that be close to you and make sure they do what they're supposed to do. Because you know it'd be them that think about smoking you. Never personal, but nowadays it's the ways.
Simple. The people, some of the people that you think are, are, are there to support you, they're there to leech off of you. And she needs to make sure that no one around her has that ill intent in mind. I find that there probably are people like that who have that ill intent in mind because no one in their right frame of mind would let their, their centerpiece run amok like that. Absolutely not. So she needs to check herself and check the people around her. And as for, you know, some people in the black Twitter sphere and black social media and some members of black culture within America, you guys need some humbling as well. Straight up. Like I said before at the beginning, all the black Americans that I know or, or that are out there in general who don't subscribe to that logic or that thinking, that negative logic of thinking, you guys already know I'm not talking about y'all. So y'all have nothing to worry about. But for the ones who do, humble up. Humble up. It's not always about you. It's not always about you. But that's all I got on that. That's all I got. What do y'all think about that? Either way, let me know. Hit me up. And I'm curious to uh, get your thoughts on all of that and just everything in between. All right. So let's get into Trip Talk. So through the hottest topics that took place in pop culture, you guys already know what it is. Let's get to it. First topic Da baby. So the baby, who was the recent victim of cancel culture, ironically enough, was performing at one of the biggest concerts in America that takes place once a year, which is the Hot 97 Summer Jam concert. And I found this interesting because it wasn't that long ago where I was on yet another episode of Cool Radio where we were talking about the baby. We were talking about the baby. And what he what he said and all that stuff. Mind you, what he said was completely wrong. I'm not agreeing with him before any of y'all jump down my throats and what have you. Um, and even on the, the very last or uh, very most recent episode of Cool Radio, I talked about cancel culture and how it's relatively ineffective to a certain degree. And I said it was ineffective to the point where when it comes to musicians or just any celebrity in, in particular, the moment they come out with something hot. Everyone is quick to forget because we live in the fast-paced era of the internet age. And lo and behold, the baby is performing in front of tens of thousands of people at one of the biggest concert festivals in America that happens each summer. So what does that show you? Cancel culture is ineffective to a certain degree. It's also very flawed. Again, what he said, very incorrect. Uh, very incorrect, very insensitive, very wrong for what he said. And what it comes down to is that cancel culture should be more about holding people accountable, not ruining their careers or anything, unless it's like super extreme, like Harvey Weinstein or what have you. But definitely not ruining their careers or trying to at the very least. And it's also very reactionary as well. A lot of sponsorships and companies will pull out because of the backlash that has been received, uh, that has been delivered via the crowd response through social media and what have you. And so them losing sponsorships and what have you is a very reactionary trigger and effect uh, mechanism that a lot of people do because they don't want to suffer that same backlash. But to me, the effects of cancel culture in this moment is more like just like a, a timeout. A little slap on the wrist. Say, hey, we're going to let you cool off for a few months, but then when we need you for something big, we'll call you up once everything dies down. That's basically what happened right now. Especially when it comes to music. Like I said before, if you have a hit record and it's a smash and people love it, they will be quick to forget. They will be quick to forget. Obviously, I'm sure there are a lot of people who remember what he said because it wasn't that long ago, maybe like a month ago at best. But nonetheless, the fact that he's out here performing at a major concert like Summer Jam shows that he still has support and that he can still sell records. So with that said, who knows when the next time he'll perform? It could be at the very next event, which could be a couple weeks from now, a month from now. Who knows? But either way, this just goes to show that cancel culture is severely flawed and it needs work, not working on canceling somebody and ruining their entire career because of one, you know, misstep to to this extent. But it just shows that it, there needs to be restructuring and repurposing of what it means to, quote unquote, cancel someone. 
If we're going to cancel someone, let it be a Harvey Weinstein or R. Kelly, people who have done heinous crimes for a consistent period of time. Let it be them. I mean, if you really want to be honest, cancel the Catholic Church. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just saying, like, if you really want to go that route, based on what cancel culture means and what it means when it comes to deleting, quote unquote, someone's career, cancel the ones who have been in charge of the of the the heinous crimes that have been done unto other people for so long like that situation you know that that's how that's how cancel culture should be run because if these people are still still committing these heinous crimes then why should they be allowed to still have their careers if that's the case you know it shouldn't just be a celebrity thing but that's my take on the matter. You guys let me know. Mind you, that was not an attack on Catholicism or anything like that. I would never do that. I'm just saying the certain things that have come out of the Catholic Church with regards to children and what have you. Like that, all that is unacceptable. And I think everyone in can agree, no matter what faith you follow, that that is totally unacceptable. That, but again, that's an extreme thing that I'm saying would benefit and warrant canceling. But nonetheless, I digress. Y'all let me know what you think. Hit me up on my socials. Next topic. And we haven't talked about this individual in a minute, I feel like. Let's talk about my man Kendrick Lamar or what he is kind of going by nowadays, uh, Oklahoma or Oklahoma. Nonetheless, Kendrick put out a statement via Instagram that well, it was on Instagram, which led to a website that his next album with Top Dog Entertainment would be his last. So he's not saying that this is going to be going to be his last album overall. He's saying that it will be his last with Top Dog Entertainment. So I had a conversation with my boy, Jay Cream. Shout out to my boy, Jay Cream, one half of uh, Aquaman Black podcast. Also, shout out to Brittany J. We were having a conversation about this just off off the air and what have you. And, you know, he was talking about how, you know, why leave a good thing and what have you. You know, you've been doing great with Top Dog Entertainment for this, for this, for, for, for so long now. Why leave a good thing? And I totally understand where he's coming from. Um, I think what it comes down to is that all good things must come to an end. Uh, when it comes to, you know, the record business and what have you, there are certain rappers who kind of outgrow the label that they've been on for so long. You know, Kid Cudi eventually outgrew good music. Drake eventually outgrew um, uh, Young Money. You know, Meek Mill, more or less, outgrew um, Maybach Music. So <clears throat> it happens. It happens. And I think this is one of those situations where Kendrick fe- feels as though he's outgrown Top Dog Entertainment. And I think Kendrick is at a point in his career where he's at the point where he can create whatever kind of music he wants because he's been doing, doing that consistently for the last decade from Section 80 up until now. And no matter what record label or what record deal he signs, he's going to have full autonomy on what kind of music he can put out and not having to cater to a particular status to cater to the masses because his latest album, Damn, killed it on the charts. Like he, every single album or sorry, every single record he had on that album charted on the Billboard Hot 100. That is insane. He had a number one single out there on on that album and a number four single as well on top of that. That is insane. And at this point in his career, I think it's time that we consider him as one of the goats. Now, it's going to sound blasphemous to a lot of the pure traditional boom bap um, Uber, you know, boombastic guys like, oh, real hip hop, whatever. But let's be honest, Kendrick has been in the game as far as putting out albums is concerned, has been in the game for 10 years. He dropped Section 80 in 2011, which is widely regarded as the best hip hop album of that year. He put out Good Kid Mad City, which is widely regarded as the first classic of this current generation of rappers from the 2010s decade to Pimp a Butterfly, polarizing at first, but over time has grown a pre, uh, appreciation in the in the classic sound that it delivered as well as his take on black american plight and then damn well damn basically earned a pulitzer prize the only non-classical and non-jazz album to earn a pulitzer there's not much more you can say about that 
Kendrick Lamar is one of the greatest of all time. Not only that, I would also consider him one of the top 25 greatest of all time at the very least. At the very least. Does he crack the top 10? Not so sure. 15, debatable. But top 25, easily. It's no question. On top of that, he also put out a new record uh, this week along with an artist by the name of Baby Keem called Family Ties. He put out the record as well as the video that goes with it. Again, the visuals of a Kendrick Lamar video, you can never go wrong with. Like It's always very eye-catching, and it'll grab your attention immediately. Really, Very good video. Go watch that if you haven't. Um, but yeah, with this being his last album with TDE, it's been that one hell of a ride that we've been uh, fortunate and privileged enough to, to watch and witness. And who knows what the next leg of his career is going to signify i would assume that we have an album from him coming this year we just don't know when it may drop next friday because a couple of big artists are dropping next friday as well which also happens to be my birthday just putting it out there uh but nonetheless this is going to be very interesting and i'm curious to see where kendrick will go with this next leg of his career so we will keep watch of that because it's King Kendrick at the end of the day. <laughs> but nonetheless, where do y'all think Kendrick ranks in the greatest of all time? Do you think he should still stick with Top Dog Entertainment? Either way, hit me up on my socials and let me know. And speaking of the two heavyweights that I mentioned earlier, we got to talk about Drake and we got to talk about Kanye West. Apparently, Kanye and Drake have been taking jabs at each other in a group chat text thing going on between those two along with Pusha T which I find very interesting and I'll get to that later and they've been sending subliminals towards each other with regards to the releases of their of their projects certified lover boy for Drake and Donda for Kanye West so apparently in a latest you know exchange of words between them in their little group chat Drake, or sorry, Kanye sends Drake the Joker emoji with regards to the Joker character from the Batman series. So what does Drake do in return? He quote-unquote hijacks a broadcast of ESPN. And basically, in the same fashion that the Joker um, was holding up a hostage for ransom in The Dark Knight, he's holding out a cardboard cutout with the initial CLB, Certified Lover Boy, and with another cutout that says September 3rd, 2021, signifying that he is planning on releasing Certified Lover Boy on that date. So what does Kanye do in response? He announces that the release date of Donda will also be September 3rd, 2021. So for me, I love it because, as I mentioned before, September 3rd is your boy's birthday. And this year, for whatever reason, which I am not complaining about whatsoever, September 3rd is the year, or the day rather, of the rollouts. Okay, it is the day of the rollout for major entities. Drake in a, Drake in and of itself is a major entity. Kanye, major entity. Marvel is a major entity. And I, me- I mentioned Marvel because they are releasing Shang-Chi on that date as well. And guess who's going to see that movie? Your boy, DM Cool. So I'm very happy. I'm not going to complain at all. Um, what I would find very interesting is how does this sales battle compare to that of the previous one that Kanye was a part of back in the day between himself and 50 Cent? Well, I would say that him and 50 were a lot younger back then because they were... They had about three to five years under their belt when it came to their uh, music careers. Like 50 had put out Get Rich or Die Trying. He had put out Valentine's Day Massacre. And he was on the precipice of, re- of releasing Curtis. Whereas Kanye had already released The College Dropout and Late Registration. And his third album would be Graduation. So I wouldn't say they were that young, but they weren't that old either. I wouldn't say that they were in veteran status at, their, at that point in their careers. Whereas fast forward, you have Drake and Kanye, who are veterans in the game at this point. Like Kanye is a veteran in the game, and Drake, even though time has flown by, it doesn't even seem like it. He is definitely a veteran in the game. His first album came out in 2010, so 11 years strong. So they're definitely veterans of the game, and the game has definitely changed when it comes to record sales. Like it's not 
a thing where albums get dropped on Tuesday and we're all reaching out to Sam the Record Man or or HMV or anything like that. No, we're all going to our phones because streaming is the, the new availability now, essentially. Right. So you don't need to have a long rollout uh, of letting people know when your album is out, especially if you're of the caliber of Drake and Kanye. At the end of the day, very much like the sales battle from 2007, everyone's going to win. You know why everyone's going to win? Because Drake and Kanye are on the same record label. They're both aligned with Universal Republic. Drake is directly signed with that label, whereas Kanye himself is signed to Def Jam, which is aligned with Universal Republic. So everyone's winning. Everyone's making money. And it's just like back in 2007, because Kanye, again, was on Def Jam. Well, Rockefeller, Def Jam, et cetera, et cetera. 50 was on Shady Aftermath Interscope, which is all under the umbrella of Universal Music. So Universal is raking in the dough at the end of the day. So everybody wins. Like, that's the whole gist of it. But the one thing I wanted to comment on was this whole thing with their group chat and Pusha T being a part of it. So with that in mind, that makes me feel as though this whole thing is very arbitrary. It's very WWE. Like, I don't feel like this is a real beef anymore because of the fact that it was three years ago where Pusha T gave you one of the most scathing diss records of all time to the point where this guy disrespected your friend whose health was in critical condition because of MS. This man said how much time that got, how much time that boy got. That man is sick, sick, sick. I got the devil watching him like sick, sick, sick. This man said that your friend is dying and made fun of that. And you went on LeBron's, you know, barbershop show talking about how you wanted to fight him and all that stuff. But now you're, you're sharing group chat messages with him. Listen, man, the rap game is very WWE. It's very pro wrestling. Everything is damn near. Everything feels very manufactured in that regard. Because at the end of the day, if that's your if that's your man right there, that's your boy. Someone that you grew up with dug in the trenches with and someone is disrespected to that level. There should be no fraternizing of any kind whatsoever. That's just my point of view. But nonetheless, this should be a very interesting head-to-head sales battle, and we'll see who comes out on top. Maybe Kendrick drops on that day, too, and makes it a triple threat match. Who knows? But either way, we're all here for it. I'm definitely going to be here for it because it's my birthday, goddammit. <laughs> and yeah, let's see how let's see how everything you know uh, unfolds and unravels. But nonetheless, what do you all think of it? Again, hit me up with your hit me up on my socials to let me know and give me your take on the matter. And finally, to close off today's episode, who has entered the shallow walls of the Hall of Shame this week? Who has been crowned the captain of Coonery this week? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Wankster of the Week. And this week's Wankster of the Week goes to every single participant in their crackhead mama who took part in the Milk Crate Challenge. Listen, I'm not going to spend too much time on this, all right? The internet loves to have a whole bunch of goofy-ass challenges and stupid ones at that. Like the Cinnamon Challenge, the Tide Pod Challenge, the Toilet Licking Challenge. There have been some dumb ones. This definitely goes up there with them. Why, oh, why are you spending your time trying to balance yourself on milk crates and then breaking your back? There's not enough room in the rooms in these hospitals, eh? We're in the middle of a pandemic. Those rooms are being occupied by COVID patients. So if you end up breaking your back on something that was clearly preventable, then in my personal opinion, you don't deserve the luxury of having a hospital bed. You lost that privilege. You lost it. No one told you to hop on a milk crate and see how well you can balance yourself on it. And even if someone did tell you to do it, doesn't mean that you had to. So for all the people who are doing the stupid milking challenge challenges, you guys are dumb. You guys are idiots. And when it got to the point where I actually saw like actual like crackheads doing it, that, that's when I had to tap out. I had to tap it out at that point. I'm like, no, I'm not. No, this is stupid. This is stupid. Especially when you consider the fact that there's a pandemic happening. 
And you guys are killing time. By killing your backs. Keep in mind, these are probably the same people who are talking about how unsafe and unhealthy and how potentially dangerous that the vaccine could be if we put it into our system. Meanwhile, you are having ladder matches on a fucking milk crate. But you're out here talking about the vaccine is unsafe. The way you think with your brain is unsafe. And for that, all of you participants get the wankster of the week. And that about does it for today's episode. I want to thank y'all for tuning in. Um, yeah, next week is going to be my birthday weekend. So if you, if I, if I, or rather yet, if you don't uh, see a video posted next week, then just know that I'm out here living my best life. Okay. <laughs> but nonetheless, I thank y'all for your listenership as always, as appreciated. Uh, follow me on all my socials at Cool Radio CC. And as always, Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media, reminding you each and every day that we are out here creating our own legacies. Once again, it's your man, DM Cool, asking you to keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace.